Can Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson prove at this point to be a little bit more than a game manager? That's one of the questions that the avid listeners in Broncos country sent in for this morning's brand new mailbag installment of Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Welcome into a freshly brewed installment of Good Morning Broncos, your daily Broncos conversation here on Mile High Sports YouTube page every single weekday, 9 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. We appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day this morning to dive into all the action that's going on with the Denver Broncos. But look, Mile High Sports is the hub for every single professional Colorado sports team, and we have you covered with everything from the CU Buffs, the Colorado Avalanche, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, and obviously the Denver Nuggets coming off of a big, big home victory without Jamal Murray against Steph Curry in the Golden State Warriors. Make sure after you watch this show you go check out ryan blackburn's pickaxe and roll podcast here on the mile high sports youtube page mile high sports is every team every day good morning broncos country the broncos are back on the practice field a little bit later on this afternoon at the centura training center as they get ready for a monday night football showdown against the buffalo bills once again they'll have practice here today they'll have practice on friday and then they'll have practice on saturday and then they're off to buffalo on Sunday. But today's episode of the show, we have a lot of great topics coming your way here. It is our mailbag episode that we get here every single week where you, the avid listeners in Broncos country, send in your questions, your thoughts, and much more here. So let's kick things off here. I think really one that kind of jump started, it comes from our guy, um, new type underscore JK47 on Twitter. He sent in the question and he asked the question here, can Russell Wilson prove that he can be more than a game manager when needed down the stretch. The defense won't always be able to cause multiple turnovers every game. Additionally, not every team is going to be uh, is going to have badly self-implode like the Bears, Packers, and Chiefs have in every win. Now, I'll say this. I don't think that the Chiefs imploded in the Broncos' victory against them. I think Denver, what you saw from Denver defensively, that was it. I don't think, even if Mahomes wasn't sick, I don't think the result would have changed because Denver's defense did a lot to fluster and take away their production. They limited Travis Kelsey. It held them to under 60 yards receiving in that game. That was a huge emphasis. They stopped the run. They got after. They pressured Patrick Mahomes. They forced turnovers. So, I mean, here's the thing, man, and, and I always love that you send in questions new type, but, you know, I, I think that Broncos country has been conditioned in a negative way that even in a win, it's just not a good win. They didn't do a, a good enough job in the win. Like, no, just enjoy the win. Broncos country, enjoy the win. Enjoy it. That's big. That was a big win for them. Uh, but in terms of getting to your question here about Russell Wilson, look, Sean Payton this past Monday had said something in his conference call that, you know, he's managing the game really well. I'm not necessarily sure that Russ is a game manager, right? I think he can manage the game here, but he's, I think he's doing enough right now. And I think with the run game working the way that it is, Russ doesn't have to go out there and do too much. And I think that's what we saw. We saw too many issues like that, I think, early on in the season. And obviously, the defense was struggling at a historic pace. So Russ had to air it out a little bit more, and he did a pretty good job of that. And obviously, there's that one Chiefs game. The Chiefs have the number two defense right now in the NFL in a lot of major categories. They're number one in, in a good portion of them as well. But for me, it's like, okay, yeah, we look at the low 114 yards. I, I don't think we should read too much into that, right? I think you take what 
the defense gives you, and I take you take how the game flows and you move forward with it. The run game was working for the Broncos, and then they capitalized on the passing opportunities that they did take, and they took some shots downfield. Obviously, Cortland Sutton and obviously Jerry Judy with the plays that they made. That, to me, is not necessarily – I don't think Russ is a game manager. I don't think he needs to be a game manager. Russ is who Russ is. Russ isn't changing. Like, his style of play isn't changing. He's just taking what the defense is giving him. And the Broncos are capitalizing on that. And I think that's – ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what you want. Now, I think if you ask most Broncos fans, let's say Russell Wilson passed for like 150 yards, right? But if he's throwing for three touchdowns and the Broncos are winning – would you take that or would you look at it as an indictment, right? Because how many times have we seen quarterbacks over the course of history with the Broncos put a big yard outputs and still lose, right? It's not necessarily about stats. It's about wins. And if Russ is playing efficient, protecting the football, then I think ultimately that's what the only thing that matters here at the end of the day. Great question here. Thank you for sending it in. Our next one comes in from at Blake Mile High on Twitter. So this is a general, I'm kind of curious as to where the morale and confidence level of the locker room is at. There was so much doom and gloom for the first six games of the season, but it feels like we've hit our stride. Based on what you've seen in the locker room, talking to players, practice, do you think that the players have bought into the if we do the right things, we can beat anyone mentality? We talk about learning to win versus learning to lose. It feels like we might have learned to win. This is a great, great question. I'm glad you asked this because for me, I the biggest thing that I can always say is like talking to these guys in the locker room, talking to some of these guys away from football, these guys, they have a belief in themselves. They have a belief in their teammates. And look, while the early parts of the season were gloomy, not a lot of reason for optimism or even hope for them to win much of the remaining games there, they have suddenly shifted it around. And, and look, they've embraced it. Look, we've talked to guys like Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, and they said, look, it's an, we, we believe in ourselves. It's all about the people that are in this locker room. You know, us in the media, we talk like we have jobs. Obviously, we have to talk about things. It doesn't matter what local media says. It doesn't matter what national media says. These guys have a strong belief in one another inside that locker room. And look, you've got some detractors like former players like Sua Cravens, who really doesn't have any relevancy to the Denver Broncos anymore, saying that players hate Sean Payton. I don't think that's the case. Look, Sean Payton is hard on these guys. And at the end of the day, being a head coach is not about being friends with your players. It's about winning, right? And at the end of the day, Sean Payton's approach, as tough and as old school as it is, yeah, when you're losing, it doesn't go over well. Like Guys are a little bit more on edge. Guys are a little bit more uneasy. But when you're winning and you're seeing the fruits of the labor come to fruition here, it's like, okay, you know what? Like, There's a reason for this. Sean Payton, I think, does a good job of being tough on these guys, but he's also a fine line. Like He talks to them. He's, you know, not, I'm not saying buddy-buddy with them, but he goes up and he, you know, he makes himself – available to these players, which at the end of the day, as a head coach, that's the most important thing. But that's just how Sean Payton was coming up through the coaching ranks under Bill Parcells. Like he learned a lot from Bill and, and how he does things. But Sean has kind of taken a little bit of that and has evolved over the years. And yeah, when you're not winning things, just like, you know, there could be a little bit of tension at times, but the locker room that they don't like Sean Payton, that's not true. Like he knows how to have fun with them. Club Dub, for example, we all saw the video, the smoke, the fog machine and the loud music inside the locker room. These guys have been through a lot. They really, really have. And, and at the end of the day, it's about those guys in that locker room. That's the number one thing that's been told to me by players. But I do think that they, they do believe that if they do the right things, that they can win. It's just about can we understand our assignment pre-snap? Can we avoid setting ourselves backwards on offense or defense? Can we avoid giving up the big plays? I mean, the things that were impacting Denver through the first five weeks were – historically bad, right? But Denver has kind of changed that. They've been more disciplined. They've been better against the run. They've been better in the red zone. To me, 
there's little confidence builders with that. You do it one week, right? You're okay. Can you do it the next week? They do. They did it the next week. Can you do it the next week? Okay. They did that three weeks in a row and two of those games were against the Kansas city chiefs. So I think right there, that's a huge confidence level guys in that locker room. They're refreshed, rejuvenated, ready for the second half stretch of the schedule. We'll see where they're at. But Blake, this is a great question. Thank you so much for sending it in on this morning's freshly brewed. Good morning. Broncos here. One or another one we're going to get to at orange underscore crush 512. Ask the question here. What is going on with all these fines around the league? Josie getting fined for his pew pew celebration. Javante's fine for lowering his shoulder, body slamming a player. I get it, but it seems that they're going overboard. NFL equals negative financial life. This is a great, great point here. And look, I, for me, this is my biggest frustration, and I'm not the only one. And obviously, my voice isn't going to carry weight on this subject at all. But I think guys like J.J. Watt, who have retired, going on national outlets like the Pat McAfee show and talking about how bad this is, like players themselves cannot speak out against how bad these fines are because guess what? It'll lead to more fines there. So I think this is where you need a lot of players, former players out there. And gosh, even like a guy like Tom Brady, like what are Tom Brady's thoughts on this subject matter? Like people who are no longer in the game, but have had a major impact on the game. They got to figure out, do this. Like you're seeing guys penalized. Like you're seeing fullbacks penalized for doing their job. You're seeing running backs penalized, as you mentioned with Javante, for doing their job. Like I don't get it. The NFL product right now, it is ridiculous. Like the amount of money that are coming out of paychecks for them doing football things at a game that is played at 110 miles an hour. And you're asking people to alter like trajectories and things like that as a moving target against another moving target. What are we doing here in the NFL? To me, it is mind-blowing. I agree with you. Negative financial life is what the NFL now stands for. I mean, to be fined $35,000 for lowering your shoulder or making a little bit of incidental contact with your helmet. Like, come on. And where is this money going in the meantime? To me, that's a great question here, and it fires me up. I, I just The NFL product right now, as much as I love football, like, gosh, I love football so much. As much as I love it, and as much as you all probably love it as well, it is hard to watch because we turn on games now. And almost every game that we turn on, whether it's primetime, whether you're seeing it on the Red Zone channel, every game is just littered with flag, 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 flag. The product is awful. But look, there's a lot of money coming in. There's a lot of money from sports betting. There's a lot of money coming in from fines from players. But we don't tune into the games to watch referees take over and throw their flags and say, oh, unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness, rough in the passer, which is another joke of a penalty in today's game. I mean, for example, we talk about all the fines that are going out there. I still go back to Chris Jones suplexing Russell Wilson last year, and they didn't do anything about it. He never got fined. He never got flagged on the play. So the NFL is very selective in who and what they decide to do. It just seems like they're throwing stuff out there and seeing that it sticks. but. Frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. I'm not a big fan of it. I think that's a great question there. Orange underscore crush 512. And look, Broncos country, we're going to continue our mailbag installment here this morning. Real quick, let me tell you about our friends over there at Superbook Sports. Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share the promo code with friends, and you will get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Hey Nuggets fans, Ryan Blackburn here, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast on Mile High Sports. We've got the best Denver Nuggets coverage around, so make sure not to miss an episode and subscribe down below to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Nuggets off to a great start. Make sure not to miss a thing on Mile High Sports. As we continue our mailbag episode here on this morning's installment of Good Morning Broncos, just want to say thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe to our Mile High Sports YouTube page. We're closing in on 4K subscribers. Thanks so much for making us part of your day every single day. Our next question comes in from DJ Lynch on Twitter. Do you think the defense continues to improve, or are we getting the weeks one through four Broncos defense? I think, look, I, I think Denver's defense started off the way that they did. I think that every single week since week five, they've shown gradual improvement in a lot of different categories. They've gotten more pressure on quarterbacks. They've changed up things. And I think one thing I I need to make very clear here about Denver's defense, obviously like Vance was hired to call and run Fangio's defense and preserve the scheme that's been attacked for the last three seasons in Denver. But I think because we've seen that, you're, you're getting a coach who's never called that type of defense and doesn't know necessarily the nuances of calling that specific defense. What the Broncos have now shifted to doing, obviously making personnel changes, that's a big factor in what they've done, and it's paid off for them. But I also think that you're seeing more Fangio looks from a schematic standpoint, but they're calling and running Vance Joseph's calls from his defense, right? We're seeing a lot more cover two from the Broncos in recent memory. You're seeing a lot of cloud coverage, some cover six, even some cover eight for them going forward. And I think that's where, okay, now Vance Joseph's like, hey, we can show this look here, but here's how we can maybe call it, right? We can show up in a too high safety shell. We can shift to this. We can show this pressure look here. And then I can call things that I've been calling throughout my entire career as a defensive coordinator. You're now seeing that marriage between the two. And I think it's paying dividends. Denver has simplified some things here. I think that we're going to continue to see them improve. And I think the biggest thing is if they can all stay healthy, Denver's got a really, really good shot here in the second half of the season. I feel very confident about that. Great question there, DJ. Um, Next one comes in from Eddie on Twitter. So is Greg Dulcich done for the year? I still don't understand why they rushed him back for a Thursday night football game just to get hurt again. Uh, We don't know what Greg Dulcich's status is going to be for the year. He's still on injured reserve. I think maybe in the next two or three weeks, we'll find out a little bit more about, hey, what, what is going on with Greg? Like They don't have to bring him back for quite like they could bring him back week 16. If they wanted to, I think what they're going to do right here is they're going to take as much time as possible. Now, I will say this. Denver didn't rush him back. Like, that's the thing I really want fans to know, because I think that was a narrative that got out there. Like, oh, they rushed him back too soon. Like, I can tell you this, watching him every day at practice on the side field, he took it very, very slow. It's not like he just went out there and just started jogging and running. Like, the first two weeks were just him doing stretches And obviously, you know, that's in the visible media viewing portion side of things, but it's like all the treatment he's getting behind the scenes, acupuncture, whatever it may be, massage therapy, red light therapy, just a bunch of different stuff that these guys have access to. They took time. And then around like weeks three or four, you start to see some light movement. You start to see some planting, some side shuffling, some cutting. And then you started seeing him build up in terms of sprinting, like doing 100 yard sprints. We got to see him do that a few times there. They followed protocol to a T. He felt like he could go. And hamstrings are so tricky that you can make great progress right in your recovery. And all of a sudden, bang, one, one movement. And we've seen this. This has been an issue for Dulcich for the last you know year and a half. He's had four hamstring injuries to the same hamstring in the last year. Like That's a very, very concerning trend. And that has not, not necessarily anything to do with the Broncos. That's just like a body anatomy style issue. So I imagine 
He's probably getting some insight. He's probably consulted with some medical experts there. Like it could be related. Does he have like any deficiencies in hip strength, hip mobility, whatever it may be. He's a big, fast guy who moves very fast twitch. And when you have fast twitch muscle fibers, those things tend to pull. It's like rubber bands a little bit. You stretch it, you stretch it, you stretch it. And eventually it's going to pull in the middle there. So um, they didn't rush him back there. It's just unfortunate that he got injured really on the first couple of snaps back from it. Um, because here's the thing, they could have sat him for an additional three or four weeks, and the same thing could have happened on his first couple of plays, you know, when he would have returned, let's say he returned against the Kansas City Chiefs in that last game that Denver just played there. So I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think they rushed him back there, but we'll see how things go here. Uh, monkey on Twitter, I love this monkey, says, I am impressed with the leadership shown by Coach Joseph and Coach Streif, specifically with the growth of their teams in the face of adversity. Have you witnessed anything specific at practice that they do to galvanize their teams? This is a great question. Um, you know, really. So we have a, a, a brief window to watch practice, right? And what we get exposed to is team stretch, individual period. And so everything that they do is kind of, uh, it's not as in your face in terms of the media, right? It's just basic, like, you know, the DBs are doing their DB drills. You know, offensive line, as you mentioned with Zach Streif, they're doing that. Um, there's times where they do like a walkthrough period. But look, we can't talk about those things. We can't talk about what we see. But these guys, just they're constantly moving. They're on the go. There's good communication. And it's not like guys are just flying around, messing around at practice. That's not what we see. Um, so I think that probably plays a little bit of a part of it. But, you know, like I said earlier in the show, these guys all inside this locker room, they believe in one another. They believe in their coaches next to them. And they don't necessarily care about what I have to say. And look, my, my my way I operate as a former player and as a coach is I'll never bash a player. I'll never bash coaches in a sense to where it comes across as personal. Like I can critique what's going wrong without making it come across as like, oh, you know, this is a shot or anything like that, because that's just not how I operate. And I, I like to build relationships with these players and look, it's football. It's tough. Like it's not easy. There's so many different moving parts here. And I don't think a lot of people in media, to be honest with you, there's, there's a lot of people, there's some people in media that I work with in, in, here in Denver that understand that, but there are a lot of people in media in general that don't understand just football. It's, it's just black and white. It's, you know, wins, losses, but it's like everything else that goes on in between, like the gray area side of it, that stuff has a huge impact in terms of the outcome of games. So I think that's a great question here. Uh, we got a couple more here. Ed Holinsky, in your estimation, what's the Broncos second half of the season look like? This is a great question, Ed, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I think so much of it will depend upon what type of Broncos team do we see on Monday Night Football. Do we see a team that, hey, even if they lose, do they come out and do they compete against the Buffalo Bills, right? If they win, what does this mean? Like, what ripple effects could this have for them down the stretch as they face the Minnesota Vikings, the Cleveland Browns? I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, they're going to face some really tough teams here in the second half stretch, including three AFC West divisional games. I think if Denver can win this game here on Monday Night Football, Ed, I think that this gives them some much-needed momentum. I mean, I hate to compare it, but like we saw with the Detroit Lions last year, Denver could find themselves in the very same situation here going forward here. And so th those are my points that I have on today's episode. Good morning, Broncos. As always, love that Broncos country gets involved in the show here. There are a couple more questions that we didn't get a chance to get to, but I think we'll apply and be applicable to next week. So I will get to some of those ones next week. If you're listening, informal fan den on Twitter, you sent a lot of great questions in. I will be sure to answer some of them going into next week. I promise you that. But with that said, Broncos country, Denver's back on the practice field here this afternoon.
the Centura Health Training Center, excuse me there. That was raw. That was rough and odd of me to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, but with that said, we'll have you covered with a recap on tomorrow's brand new episode of Good Morning Broncos. Go get yourself another cup of coffee. And hey, do us a favor. Make sure you check out our good friend Kim Becker's MHS Daily every single day here on the Mile High Sports YouTube page. What's up, guys? Kim Becker here with Mile High Sports. Make sure you guys are following us on social media so that you never miss a Mile High Sports Daily. Monday through Friday morning, we'll post a video hosted by me catching you up on everything you need to know when it comes to sports right here in the Mile High State. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, we're there and we've got you covered for everything Colorado sports.